Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert. Rhino back in the Super Talk studios in Jackson. I am live from Columbia, Mississippi. We're here for the annual Columbia Christmas Festival. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday, y'all. A rather brisk one out there, uh, Rhino. We are inside this year. Uh, you recall last year we were high atop Main Street here in Columbia on the scaffolding overlooking the ice skating rink. But it was uh, a little bit uh, bombier conditions. I think it was in the 70s. We were just talking about that a moment ago. But today it's a bit cooler. It's a bit chillier out there, but we are... Uh, uh, nice and warm inside here, uh, just at the end of downtown uh, Columbia. And uh, looking forward to a big day. We've got a number of guests coming on the program today. Jacob Harrison, Director of Business Development, and Laura Hobgood, Event Coordination Specialist for Experience Columbia, will be joining me next. We've got Chris Smith uh, and Letha Williamson from Citizens Bank here in Columbia. Senator Angela Hill, she represents District 40. And Representative Ken Morgan represents District 100. Of course, their districts include the Marion County, Columbia area where we are. And then John Cooper, president of Columbia uh, location of Trustmark Bank just down the road here in Main Street. Justin McKenzie, the mayor of Columbia at 1205. Parker Dungan, Brock White from Dungan Engineering, and Josh Smith from the City of Columbia Parks and Rec will join middays at 1237. We'll wrap things up at 1250 today with Michael Day, the superintendent of the Marion County School District in I understand we're going to have an announcement regarding the Marion County School District as well. When I pass by Rhino on the highway leading into Columbia, I believe it's Highway 13, if I'm not mistaken, I noticed there on the left the Marion County School District headquarters building and was uh, curious as to what the festivities were. There was a big crowd out there in the parking lot and looked like some sort of announcement, and I think that's what we're going to be talking about, so you want to stay tuned for that. Meantime, Rhino, I know you're a big soccer fan, right? Oh, yeah. So, all right, what's going on with Qatar saying no alcohol in the stadiums? 
Yeah, it's just another example of uh, Qatar walking back their promises to the international soccer body, FIFA. And when they initially bribed the World Cup bidders to give them the World (laughs) Cup, which I'm not even going to say allegedly anymore, when they bribed them, they were promising crazy stuff like, we're going to create artificial clouds to air condition the stadiums, and all the stadiums will be carbon neutral and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, when they figured out that physics exist and they couldn't do that, they had to move the World Cup from its typical summertime slot to the wintertime. That's why they're playing it around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, now they've decided, you know what? We told you you could have alcohol in the stadiums, but... We've changed our minds. You can't have any alcohol in the stadiums, which led to a pretty funny tweet from Budweiser where they tweeted out and then deleted it because it was probably going to embarrass somebody in the social media department. They just simply tweeted out from the official Budweiser Twitter account. Well, this is awkward because Budweiser pays FIFA $100 million to be the number one alcohol sponsor of the World Cup. Oh, gosh. Sounds like Bud got rolled on that deal. Qatar. Uh, how, how do you think this will? Have, well, first of all, why do you think they did that? Because alcohol is very highly regulated in Qatar to the point where you pretty much can't have it. Hmm. But well, they I mean, they said they were going to be okay with it, and they invited the world, and now yeah. they're showing their true colors, which. It's it's their culture. You you need to respect their culture. But why in the world are we inviting the world to experience yeah. their culture if it's going to be so oppressive? I mean, alcohol, soccer, uh, they go hand in hand, don't they? Oh yeah. Hmm. Well, you got to believe that Qatar will not be considered for the next World Cup. You think? As a result, no. And the the problem I see with it is FIFA has flexed its muscles in the past to make countries abide by the the terms of the deal. In Brazil, yeah. they don't really like having alcohol in the stadiums because they have a history of violence breaking out in the stadiums because they take it serious in Brazil. But even Brazil backed up and said, "All right, FIFA, you want us to host the World Cup? We will allow alcohol in the stadiums." But Qatar's they they seem to be okay with it, and then two days before kickoff. Sorry, we changed our minds. Now, Qatar, as I recall, is an autocratic monarchy. Is that correct? That, that I think is just the monarchy is, is just based on inheritance. I believe so, yeah. So they can do whatever the heck they want, in other words. It's just it's, it is a monarchy, and the king runs the show for the most part. And, yeah, there's very uh, little say-so from the, the populace on how the country is run. Jeez. Wow. Well, we'll see how all that pans out. In the meantime, this guy's your buddy. So I call him your buddy because <laughs> I, I like the way you uh, describe him, and, uh, and, I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. Talking about Sam Bankman-Fried. What a weirdo this guy is. That guy. <laughs> so... He was really selling the market, investors and so forth, Democrats, and becoming their darling because he, he was uh, pledging to be all into the ESG stuff, right? And, oh, yeah, we're carbon neutral ESG, which is completely false. He wasn't. And now he's actually coming out and talking about how people sort of fell for that 
and got screwed over by it, and he calls it, he says, it's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who get F-bombed by it, by this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths, and so everyone likes us. <laughs> That's what he said. So what a fraud this guy is. And he's, But you know what? He's right. Because all these companies that are falling all over themselves to be more woke than the next company. It's the hold my beer deal, right? Oh, you think you did something woke. Wait till you see what we're going to do. Remember, I've been, uh, there's a book now out by, was it uh, one of the high-level executives at Levi's out in San Francisco that spoke out about the school district's policy to shut down schools. And she felt like that she was defending the children, the school children, who were at home not learning. And then Levi says, you got to shut up, you're fired. Remember that? It's a few months ago. Now she's written a tell-all book about that. But this is just one of the examples. But this guy's a fraud, this freed guy. He's a total fraud. I can't even believe he's walking around. Now we found like we found out he's um, polymorous. Is that how you say it? Polyamorous. <laughs> Polyamorous, yeah. <laughs> we find out that, uh, meaning he's got uh, multiple uh, sexual partners, that they were all holed up in the Caribbean, I, I believe it was. Uh, oh, yeah, the entire command staff of FTX was in a word that I had to learn over the weekend, a polycule, which is apparently <laughs> a sexual relationship involving multiple partners where it's all interchangeable. <laughs> It's gross is what it is. <laughs> and, I mean, so this was their lifestyle. And uh, but and he was selling this company uh, to investors and, and took a bunch of people's money. But he wasn't. He was, And he was portraying that he was living this modest billionaire's lifestyle. And now we know that's not the truth of all it whatsoever. In his ESG stuff, they were taking private jets, right, from, from the U.S., uh, into the Caribbean and so forth, and and hold up in some um, big old uh, multi million dollar condo, and um, but was was said that he was more into being a philanthropist. He did this not to not to enrich himself, but to uh, to raise money for causes. It's just un- pandemic related causes is what he initially said in research into artificial intelligence and climate change mitigation. He just absolutely duped the heck out of all these people. It is incredible. And he's and he's just just sitting at home really playing video games probably and and uh I think enjoying the limelight of telling his story. In the meantime, he stole a bunch of people's money, and all the people that worked for him did as well. They're terrible. It's really incredible uh, that this guy is sitting home. I still say it's because he was in bed with the Democrats and gave him a bunch of money. He did it. It, it was insurance. He knew he was breaking the law. It was insurance to, to, so that they would leave him alone, and so far they are. We're down in Columbia, Mississippi today for the Columbia Christmas Festival. And when we come back, we've got Jacob Harrison, the Director of Business Development for Experience Columbia, and Laura Hobgood, the Event Coordination Specialist for Experience Columbia. Stay with us. We're in the Element Well Studios. We're coming right back. It's cold outside. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's end of this segment here on Midday Super Talk Mississippi Live from Columbia, Mississippi for the Columbia Annual Christmas Festival. Joining us now, Jacob Harrison, Director of Business Development for Experience Columbia and Laura Hobgood, Event Coordination Specialist for Experience Columbia. Folks, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Well, we ordered up some uh, good weather today. It's a bright, sunny day and uh, rather low wind speed, but it's cold outside. It, it is. It's yeah. chilly. It's good ice-making weather. It is. <laughs> yeah, the ice is beautiful. <laughs> it is. So, uh, speaking of the ice, we got two ice rinks out here, right? We do. We have one for the skating rink, and then one will be bumper cars on ice. That is really cool right here in downtown Columbia. It is. That's pretty unique. It is. I bet no no other towns in Mississippi have uh, ice skating rinks and Zambonis. I bet they don't either. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, uh, Jacob, tell us about the Christmas Festival. What's that all about? Yeah, so this is is really our fifth year doing this, and the fourth year uh, we keep track of that with us doing the ice skating rinks. And they've they've changed, and we've modified them and and tried to make them better every year over time. So this is our fourth year doing the rink. And um, uh, this festival, that we it's six weeks long. It it lasts up until the New Year's and starts this Saturday the 19th at 3 o'clock. It's our soft opening for the ice skating rink we do that for the kids since they're out of school for the uh for the thanksgiving holidays and then uh that carries on and then the following weekend after that the the 26th of november that's when the real thing starts and that's when the light we have the lighting of the town um and uh then you know every weekend after that we have different uh different activities that happen after that and uh that carries us through the new year well the decorations are up it looks like you still working on some of the all Mostly. I'm not sure what I'm missing. but uh, mo- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a lot. They're beautiful. Yes. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. And you, and you got a great Main Street downtown to decorate, too. We do. It is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a perfect setting for that. It is. And it all terminates right here to uh, uh, our left, adjacent to us, the courthouse. That's it, right. It looks straight down the Main Street. That's pretty cool. It, it does. We, yeah. we think we have the best Main Street. Actually, we know we have the best Main Street in Mississippi uh, that's capped off with our courthouse. So we're really proud of our town and, and, the, and the way that we're able to transform it. Really works to our advantage. Yeah. And it's thriving. you got a good, um, diverse collection of financial institutions, banks. you got shops and restaurants and all the ingredients of a really cool downtown. Our downtown has has grown so much. Um, We're actually going to have two new restaurants on Main Street. Joe Rocco's Pizza and we have the Frosty's Bakery. Um, Those will be new this year to our event. We thought Joe Rocco's was going to be open last year, but it just didn't work out. But it is definitely opening tonight for a soft open. So that's something that we're adding to Main Street that will be here all year round. So, Laura, are you uh, the person who is primarily in charge of the festival, being the event uh, yeah, coordination Jake, specialist? Jacob and I share the responsibility. We have a excellent team under us. Um, but, yes, sir, we I get all the, the team members that run the event, and we use a lot of our local teenagers. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for them. And we just try to 
pull it off. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a hard task to do, and a lot of people don't see what go behind the go, goes on behind the scenes, but. I think Jacob and I do a pretty good job at, at pulling do, it off. She's lying to you. She actually is the one that makes sure this thing pulled off. I build it, and she and she runs it. I got you. All right, uh, Jacob, in your role as director of business development for Experience uh, Columbia, what all does that entail exactly? Well, that, I'm, I'm the director of, of business development for all of our companies. Uh, I just help uh, with the innovative ideas that we come up with. Uh, I help to implement that. Um, I, I, I do all the meetings with uh, with the politicians just to make sure that, that we're they're on board and, and they usually are um, so I just help develop that and that, that's kind of where this stems from and then on the other hand I, I, I manage the construction of all of that that we do with with Joe Rocco's which is the pizzeria that we're opening and then Frosty's I manage the construction of that and help hmm. kind of get everything off the ground and then I turn it over for everybody to run it as as uh, as those things open are you involved in promoting the community as well to attract new businesses I, I do my I do my best to help promote the community um, that's what this is all about yeah. is for uh, is for our community we, we believe that Columbia is a Columbia and Marion County is a wonderful place to raise a family uh, it's a wonderful place to do business it's a wonderful place to start a business and um, we believe that deep within, and mm-hmm. um, we, you know, I, I do my best to promote sure. the community. Sure, I understand. We, we have a great historical district, and a lot of the houses, over the few years, some people moved out of our city, and, and they were empty, but riding in the historical district now, like down Church Street, all the houses are, are filled. So people are moving here. So a lot of people are retiring here, and, and that's what our whole... Yeah. Our whole purpose is. Yeah. So, I remember talking about that last year. You you, you shared that as I believe, uh, Laura, that uh, you had a lot of folks that were um, seeking out Columbia's place to retire. Yes. Right. Is is there anything in particular, uh, Jacob, that uh, folks who are retired? What is it about Columbia that uh, attracts them? Well, I think the again, what we're doing downtown for you know to help and revitalize that. And there's a lot of people involved in that. It's not just us. Sure. But uh, that's part of it. You know, they want to they want to kind of slow down, and they come to a city that has wonderful people with wonderful hospitality, and an opportunity to to, to you know live in a town that's affordable. And then you just cap it off with a great holiday season. It's it's uh, it truly is like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, well, you know, so, so many uh, small towns really across America, not just Mississippi, have uh, their their downtown areas have have suffered, yeah. and there's been kind of a decline. Uh, in that, but that's not the case here. I mean, it, it, it everything is maintained. It's current. It, I mean, the structures themselves were built a long time ago, many in downtown, but uh, they're all pristine and, and occupied, and, uh, it, and it's just a vibrant area. It is. So Frosty's was originally Citizens Bank, um, hmm. and to see it from back, you know, back in the day till now, Christian and Yolanda have... That building is absolutely gorgeous. And being from Columbia, it makes me proud to see people redoing the buildings and and saving the buildings. Yeah. So you've got a great school system as well, right? We do great ratings in our school system. Again, there's not a, there's not a lot of negatives about Columbia, Mississippi, uh, and our schools are, are, are one of the big positives that we have. You know, from from 
public schools and private schools, they are thriving and they're doing well. And we have wonderful teachers and administrators that operate and run those schools. And uh, it's just a lot to be proud of here in Columbia. Yeah. Laura, uh, anything about the operational aspects of, of Experience Columbia you want to share with? Yeah. Um, we have a new skate shop this year. So that will be different for everybody. It is located behind the skate rink. It is absolutely gorgeous. Jacob kind of picked out some things in there and, and put some design on it for us. And uh, we helped him get that together. And the skate rink will be open as of tomorrow at 3. And we will be open until December 31st. Wow. Yep. So, and we have um, we have the Night of Hope, which is going to be December 11th. I don't think Jacob mentioned that. That's a, it's a community effort. It's got some churches from around our town that are going to put on a concert. So you don't want to miss that. Um, December 3rd is our Parade of Lights. I don't know if you mentioned that. That is a huge thing in Columbia. A lot of a lot of people come out. I think we had over 40,000 oh, 40, wow. last year. Wow. So, and of course, the Grinch train will be here in Crooked Letter <laughs> Kitchen. Um, they'll be here to serve you, and we're real excited about this year. And, and remember, you can buy all your skating tickets inside Santa's workshop. And we have some new things inside Santa's workshop that you don't want to miss. Yep. So, and then so there's we, we've been just hinting at some surprises that we have two big big surprises. One of them's big, and one of them's bright. Those are my two hints. <laughs> but you don't want to miss that on December the 26th when we do the lighting. Um, November the 26th. November, I'm sorry, November the 26th. I said that yesterday in another meeting. November the 26th, the lighting. There's two big surprises that are going to be revealed then. And, and um, if you if you know kind of how we've done things in the past and you've been to this before, you definitely understand what we what we mean by big surprises. So I understand. Just a few seconds left. What about the synergy between the private sector, the business community, the government, uh, the faith community? Uh, you feel like it's strong, Columbia? So, so it started off slow just because people were unsure about the crazy ideas that we had. Um, but, but more as the years go on, we're getting more and more buy-in by the by the retailers and the uh, the restaurants and the community. Um, so it's tough. Change is tough, and and but more and more buy-in has happened year over year as they see the success that we've able to not only for ourselves but also the success that we've seen throughout the community with the amount of visitors that come in and spend money in our town yeah i was going to say that the event uh, that you guys uh, put on here has got to be a shot in the arm economically to uh, local businesses yeah anytime you bring anytime you bring 320,000 yeah. visitors to your community big. in a six week period it, it does good for you they spend their money when they come they don't spend they? their money when they come all our merchants <laughs> have smiles on their faces that's awesome <laughs> Well, congratulations. Uh, it looks like you're set up for another great Christmas season. Jacob Harrison, Director of Business Development, Experience Columbia, and Laura Hopgood, Event Coordination Specialist with Experience Columbia, have been our guests here on Middays. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank uh, you. Have, you. have a great Christmas us. season. Yep. You too. Absolutely. We'll step aside for a break right here. The Element Well Studios in Columbia, Mississippi for the Columbia Christmas Festival, and we're coming right back. Okay, now you have a good one. 
have a bag of crazy toys to give the corners of the girls and boys so day. Santa comes on day. We are back. Midday, Super Talk, Mississippi, Columbia, Mississippi. Today, we have relocated the Element Well Studios down to this uh, really neat Mississippi town in uh, southwest Mississippi. And we are here because it is time for the annual Columbia Christmas Festival. And they got the place all decorated up. And I'm telling you, folks, it really is a, a, a very attractive downtown with two count them two uh, ice rinks and that is really kind of cool that's not something i think you'll see every day in any town much less in the state of mississippi but we got it here right in columbia mississippi today uh by the way uh, uh, pardon me for mispronouncing cutter i can't believe i was doing that but uh, I pronounced it Qatar because that's the way it's spelled, and my mind was just not thinking. I've heard it a million times. I know it is pronounced as Cutter, and somebody on the ceasefire text line actually reminded me of that. <laughs> really, yeah, Brian and Madison appreciate that. Please accept my apology. Uh, and, and we were talking about that because they have decided no alcohol at the World Cup that they will be hosting. When does that start, Rhino, the World Cup? Uh, first kick will be on Sunday, and I call them Qatar because, A, I don't respect them because they're bribed to get the World Cup, and, B, <laughs> saying Qatar is like saying Mexico. You don't say Mexico. You say Mexico. Pronounce it how you want to pronounce it. We're Americans. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it just I, I just made that correction because typically, I guess, within our government, our government officials, they do pronounce it as uh, cutter. But I'm not going to replicate what Barack Obama did. Remember, any time he would pronounce names, he always tried to introduce the accent of the country in the pronunciation, which was completely phony and fake, honestly. You're an American, and you're, you're and even when he was with them, he tried to do that so as to impress them. But uh, just be who you are. You're right, Rhino. Uh, let's see. Also, Gary in the Berg said, this Bankman guy looks like son of Sam, does he not? Talking about Bankman freed the, the young billionaire, 30 years old, I think, that uh, absconded with the billions is what he did. And this, of course, is causing some credibility issues for the entire crypto world. This time last year, folks, crypto a Bitcoin, at least, which is just one of the cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, probably the most widely held, maybe Ethereum right behind that. It was selling for a Bitcoin, $65,000. What's it now, Rhino? 16000 and change? I can't believe it's even hanging around at 16000 Yeah, if it's still hanging change. on to that much value. But, yeah, last I checked, it was a little over 16000 per Bitcoin. That's crazy. Uh, 65,000. So if you held on to that, you lost a little dough between then and now. It, it's still difficult to understand the asset uh, because it is both, both a currency and an asset, and that makes it, uh, sort of doubly complex. I, I think there's ultimately a place for cryptocurrency. What that place is, I'm not sure. But you got to think that between now and whenever there's some degree of stability achieved that uh, you're going to continue to see volatility and a lot of folks get rich and a lot of folks lose a lot of money. Uh, on opposite sides, obviously, of the trade, 
Uh, incredible. Uh, what is Thomas in Greenwood says? Now the chatter, it was a fall. Oh, excuse me, that was a couple of days ago. You can call it gross. That's kink shaming. That was my description of uh, what this freed guy and executives, uh, workers in the company that were all holed up in this this uh, suite, if you will, condo, I think is what he called it. It was in the Caribbean, was it not? Rhino, is that correct? Yeah, their headquarters was in the Bahamas. Okay, yeah. So he's over there, and he's espousing the virtues in his of and commitment to ESG <laughs> and all the other uh, uh, woke precepts. But then he promptly screws everybody out of billions of dollars. It's just you can't make it up. It's unbelievable. William and Greenville says, gee, you know he and Zelensky are going to appear in New York together. Wonder what that's all about. Maybe they are planning to launder all that taxpayer money. Hmm, could be. Tom Brady was a big donor. I thought Tom was a big investor uh, and promoter. And and now, you talked about that yesterday, didn't you, Rhino? That, uh, yeah, it was uh, Tom Brady and his wife, or wife at the time, Giselle Bunchen, Larry David, and a couple other people that were in the, the big Super Bowl commercial for FTX. They're all being sued because oh, nice. there's billions of dollars just up and vanished like a you-know-what in the wind. <laughs> and the irony of it all is Larry David, famous for being a comedy writer in, in, in TV and having his own Curb Your Enthusiasm show where he's the prototypical cynic, in the ad is being cynical about crypto, going, ah, I don't know about that. Even he's getting sued for it. <laughs> well, there are opportunistic plaintiff's lawyers everywhere, as you know, and, and given the amount of money involved here, and the celebrities who do have assets to penetrate, to pierce, that's what they're looking for. You don't sue poor people. You sue rich people. Tom Brady, a rich individual. I uh, I like to follow sometimes on Twitter, which, by the way, a lot of news on Twitter. Elon Musk, wow. He tells them, you got to get on board to uh, with hardcore work, intense work. If you're not into that, you might as well go and leave the company. So more than, uh, more than half have resigned or quitting Twitter. Fewer accepted his ultimatum. That's what's being reported. They had until 5 p.m. Eastern time yesterday to commit to Musk's hardcore vision or be laid off. Well, the Twitter staff now, they are flooding the internal Slack channels with salute emojis is what they're calling them. And they're they're tweeting, of course, uh, many sorry about leaving the company, but uh, very grateful and thankful for their time. Here's one here, someone named Jordan Terry. My time at Twitter is one of the best times of my life. Despite the ending, I will cherish it for the rest of my life. I've met so many incredible people and learned more than I could imagine. Peace out, everyone. And there's just a series <coughs> excuse me, of tweets to that effect going viral, and of course the Slack channel, the internal Slack system used by Twitter, which is just sort of an internal communications platform, they're all going out there and and 
uh, sharing photos of their laptops with all the uh, all the stickers on them. <clears throat> Excuse me, the blue little Twitter bird and all that sort of stuff. They call what do they call themselves tweet tweeters, the folks that Something work there. Like that. Yeah, I just find and, it funny that how many hundreds of people have been let go now, and it hasn't drop dead it's still up and running you can still log in and use it it's uh it's amazing the cost cutting measures that can happen yeah it does it does make you wonder if they were maybe uh, overstaffed with unnecessary human resources because a lot of the folks that have have left which are critical to the operations of the platform are software engineers and developers and I mean, you're constantly patching things in an environment like there and that, and fixing technical glitches that arise that that you just didn't even anticipate. That's just the nature of complicated software. And and many of them have said goodbye as well. So he has softened a bit on maybe being open to some hybrid work. You remember before he said, "Nope, everybody's got to come to the office." And he's softened a bit on that and, and says now he will make the call on a case-by-case basis himself on who can work on a hybrid basis. I honestly do wonder about the future of Twitter. Is it going to survive? It already was tenuous at best from a financial perspective. And advertisers are bailing, and that's their primary source of income. It just makes you wonder, is this thing going to survive whatsoever? Looks like about 75% of the remaining employees have really not opted to stay yet, even after they sort of agreed to the hardcore email. But they still have access to their systems, but it's been reported that some of their facilities are not accessible through the weekend. Elon Musk is... Has locked them up. I'm not really sure what's going on there, and and, and there's no uh, reports yet as to the cause and the reason for that. He's not he's not made any statements to that effect either. But that is being reported out uh, by Twitter employees. <coughs> so interesting. When we come back here, time for a break on middays. We've got Chris Smith, President and Chief Lending Officer for Citizens Bank, and Letha Williamson, Vice President and Marketing Officer for Citizens Bank. We'll step aside here on middays. Later on in the program, i got to talk to you uh, and share with you about some uh, viral tweets concerning trickle-down economics. I think you'll be interested in that. But right now, the Element Well Studios down in Columbia are pausing for a break. We're coming right back. Properly set all controls before recording. All systems go. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. 
We are downtown Columbia, Mississippi for the Columbia Christmas Festival. Joining us now, Chris Smith, President and Chief Lending Officer for Citizens Bank, and Letha Williamson, Vice President and Marketing Officer for Citizens Bank. Beautiful day down here in uh, Columbia, Chris. Everybody's getting excited and uh, ready for the Christmas Festival. Yeah, we've been watching them get ready for about the past six weeks, and, and we're honored to be a, one of the sponsors again this year of the, the Experience Columbia Christmas. It's just been it's been interesting to watch how this continues to grow year after year. I think we saw you last year and visited with you, and, and we ended up having the second ice rink last year. Now they've got a, a new Christmas tree that's going to be out at Bluff Street Park. It's just every year they just continue to outdo themselves. Yeah. So, Letha, as a chief uh, marketing officer, vice president, I should say, marketing officer, it, does this help market the bank? When you're marketing Columbia and marketing the Christmas Festival, does the bank uh, benefit from that? Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. We uh, we benefit uh, very much from, from partnering uh, with Experience Columbia and all the events that are going on downtown and Marion County Development Partnership. Um, it brings more people into Columbia, more people see our bank. They, you know, We're able to uh, give exposure to the bank, and uh, anytime we can pr- help promote Columbia, we, we feel like we're helping to promote our bank, and, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, we had uh, Jacob and Laura on earlier from Experience Columbia, and they were talking about how Columbia has become a community that retirees have sought to to, um, to settle in and to, to take up their residence. I just wonder how much of that's because when they get exposed to this Christmas festival and many of the other events that uh, Columbia uh, presents, that they, they like that, they see that, they say, hey, I think that's the place I want to live. Yeah, I think it has a, a huge impact, and, and the interesting part is, is these these people that are coming in from out of state they're they seem to be buying in town in the city which you know most of the times through the years the last 20 years people are buying outside in the counties and yeah. the cities have kind of gotten to where they're more rental properties but we're seeing now in columbia that that's changing where these houses that are getting bought and renovated are in the city limits and actually pretty close downtown to the main street and that's that's a big thing for for our city and and i know that's a um, something that Lori Watts and her crew have, have have looked at for years, and how do you how do you develop your main street to bring people in, and and this has been a huge impact on that. So, Chris, uh, since last year, uh, the interest rate environment is a little bit different uh, over the last twelve months. How, how's that affecting uh, the bank's business? In terms of lending, both on the consumer and the commercial side, it 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 is. Um it's a challenge for sure. You know, when when people this time last year you were talking about on a con- commercial rate you were somewhere in the ballpark of four percent, and now you're at seven. That's a big deal. Yeah. And um, you know, and some people had plans last year of getting. It's just taking them a while to get get across the finish line. And that's just a when you start looking at how it impacts their cash flow. It's just a big big issue. Um, I've been at the bank now for twenty two years, and it's never we've never had anything like this so quickly. You know, yeah. usually you have time, but but when 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 the Fed meets and every other month or every month they're they're increasing rates and they're increasing them seventy five basis points. It's just not small increases; they're large. It's been impactful, but. Um, um, with inflation and and those type things going on in our economy, the consumers are the ones that are really really going to be struggling, especially if they have any kind of variable rates and things like that. Yeah. So, um, just something that we'll keep our eye on and hope we'll see an end to the the increases and give them give those a chance to to take hold. Um, but but it has definitely been a challenge for us. 
So, Letha, what about from a marketing perspective? What, what uh, What's kind of the elevator pitch that uh, you sell about the bank, about Citizens? Well, we're, we are certainly a hometown bank. Uh, local decisions, quick answers, uh, people you know. Uh, you know, uh, although you know, we may be hometown, we're still innovative, and we can offer uh, innovative products and services. And so we're not just, you know, a small bank that can offer, you know, big products. We can. And so... Uh, we're always looking for new ideas and growing uh, our, our our technology for you know to offer to our customers. So um, our our goal is to meet the needs of our customers, whatever they are. And so we're always uh, trying to do that. And you know, as sophisticated as uh, certainly the the financial industry has has become, leveraging just a variety of tools, which we all enjoy, we all appreciate. Still, no substitute for that face to face interaction. Oh, absolutely not. You know, customers. Customers, they like technology, but there comes a time when they want to talk to a person sure. and look somebody in, in the eye. And uh, that's one thing that's really good about Citizens Bank is you can always get to a person and talk to somebody. Yeah. And, and Gerard, if I yeah. can just piggyback, Lisa sure. and I, it was funny, we were looking through an old ad. I mean, this was probably 80s maybe, it yeah. may be. And in one of the old ads we had that we've actually brought back and used again, it's it's. Uh, big big enough to serve you, but small enough to know you. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that resonates. I think that's exactly what people want. They want stability. They they want some some girth in a financial institution, but they want that hometown feel and that intimate relationship. I know you guys do a great job of that. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on Middays. We're at the uh, top of the hour. That means Super Talk News, Fox News coming your way after the break. It's Senator Angela Hill. Stay with us. To the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, hour two of middays getting underway from Columbia, Mississippi. We are downtown Columbia for the upcoming Columbia Christmas Festival. The, of course, event uh, folks working with Experience Columbia are getting us all set up for that. This really is a fantastic uh, small community in Mississippi. A great downtown, great people, all the ingredients for a high quality of life. Uh, here in South Mississippi. And joining us now, Senator Angela Hill represents District 40. She's the chair of the County Affairs Committee and the vice chair of Accountability, Efficiency, and Transparency. Senator, always good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Always good to be in Columbia. Awesome town, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a great honor to represent Columbia and Marion County for um, for the last couple of terms. Um, 
you know, I'm going to be really sad to not represent Columbia if I'm fortunate enough to be reelected next year. Um, I have made the greatest friends in this area, um, basically have become family to me. A lot of people over here in Columbia, and uh, I respect a lot of, I respect the way that Columbia uh, conducts itself and, and does things, and the, the way they have communicated and worked with me has been, um, it's been, a very very well received you know when when you have that open line of communications like that at the municipal level and with the state representatives that just makes good things happen doesn't it, it does and and I, one thing i can say about these these folks over here in columbia if something comes up i'm not the last person that they call to tell me that that they need some help or that something's going on and that we need to be aware of it um i'm typically the first person so that you know, makes us not waste time and chase rabbits, and and we all try to get on the same page and try to move the needle and work together to what our common goal is. I'm gonna and, and if every municipality and county would work with their legislators that way, um, you know, I think we could probably eliminate lobbyists. <laughs> I'm going to guess that uh, Senator, you're the first one that they call because they know you'll answer the phone and you you'll respond and and you'll take their calls and you'll you'll hear their issue and you'll take it forward that's true and even if they're not in my district i'll take their calls sure. and you know i i have to say that i have had the strongest working relationship with representative ken morgan over these last few years ken and wanda have become like my family and and they get a shout out for their 50th wedding anniversary um just a great a great couple and just wonderful to work with ken and i've told ken and the rest of the folks around here whether that line's drawn over farther east or not i will still do anything that i can do to help marion county <laughs> that's awesome all right so we had a, a, a rather active legislative session in 2022 i think that's an accurate description but we're just a couple of months away uh, less than that, actually. Uh, about a month away. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe that it's around the corner. Uh, you and your colleagues will be heading back to the Capitol, convening for the 2023 session. The governor already has outlined his priorities for the 23 session, and and uh, those include uh, a parental bill of rights at the state level, uh, elimination of the income tax, something that was attempted last year, fell a bit short of that. I, I describe it as making a down payment on uh, the ultimate elimination of the state income tax. Uh, those seem to be uh, uh, among top priorities uh, for the governor, a patriotic education fund, which he helps to allocate some money to as well. Uh, what do you think about the governor's uh, thoughts there? Well, I worked on a parental bill of rights slash curriculum transparency bill um, last year um, and have been working on you know what I consider patriotic education since the day I got there. I've been filing a bill to have every high school graduate have to pass the naturalized citizenship test. I don't know how more patriotic that you can get than to actually make sure that our high school graduates actually understand civics and government and understand something about this country. Because you can go out there and poll them on the street and it's obvious they don't know. Even college graduates. Even college graduates, yeah. yes. Um, they don't know. So I applaud the governor for wanting kids to be uh, patriotically educated, and I hope that that maybe we'll think about maybe um, getting my my uh, 
citizenship test in there as a part of it as a part of their education i just don't think you can lose by that we, we gripe and complain because our kids aren't uh, up to speed on on what they need to be up to speed as far as how government even is supposed to work and they listen to what they see on tv and the yeah. media um you know so it's time to put your money where your mouth is and let's let's get these kids truly educated we're talking to senator angela hill so senator are you aware of any districts that have implemented that at the district level I don't know of any. They could, there could be, but I don't think so. Um, I've not been made aware of any that have implemented that. Now, you know, they take, um, they take American government. Yeah. They take, um, you know, American history. But when when you get to the high school level, the American history test is from 1869 to the present. Mm-hmm. They basically leave the rest of it to be covered in junior high. <laughs> so they're not tested on the founding, the Civil War, Reconstruction, um, any of that in their high school um, history state tests. So I think that we're really, um, you know, letting the Titanic sink where it comes to not testing kids or not teaching kids, you know, the founding fundamental principles of, of what our country, how it started and what it's been through to remain intact. Um, you, you know, the old adage is that you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And honestly, I think that's the goal of a lot of people in, in, uh, in, in trying to tear down this country. Yeah, just to uh, uh, overlook that. And, uh, and when they do discuss history, it's, it's certainly the, the left in this country, uh, they focus on uh, the mistakes, the sins, the stains. We, you know, we on the right, we don't deny that that existed, that that occurred. But we also have to take stock in the fact that we learn from that and we make things better and that's what the founders said we're constantly pursuing a more perfect union exactly that's exactly what we're doing and you know mistakes will be made again if people don't know the history and and the fallout and the turmoil that came from mistakes of the past so you know who's to say that generations down the road wouldn't try the same thing again yeah totally agree anything in the in the 22 session senator that uh, you felt like uh needed to get accomplished but fell short well, you know, we, we were talking about this parental bill of rights, and I've basically been working um, toward actually, you know, women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, was able to get the Fairness Sports Fairness Act passed a couple of years back, um, and our schools are telling me, our school attorneys are telling me that they that they really need support from the legislature to try to keep, you know, the lines drawn uh, between biological male and biological female. Um, as far as restrooms, uh, locker rooms, overnight trips, dormitories, um, you name it. And they're, they're being thrown this, and they want to protect our girls, and they want the state to help them, you know, give them more solid footing um, to, to say, you know, we're going by your birth certificate when it comes to, to what locker room you're going in and, and what dorm you're going in. So I've been working more along the lines in that in that um, avenue, um, I had some bathroom and locker room language in the Fairness Act. Um, didn't make it to the floor, but it was initially in that. I had it stuck in that Parental Bill of Rights uh, curriculum transparency bill that I filed last year. And I'm going to keep trying to protect women, and I'm going to try to protect kids because we know that this cult of transgenderism that swept the country, I mean, you've got statistics of 4,000% increase in kids with, quote, gender confusion um, over a short you know, five, ten-year period of time. So I've, I've been working on that um, in those areas to try to make sure that, um, that 
uh, everybody wants to follow the science and the science from Florida and the you know independent study that was done basically shows that it's junk science that says that you know that that all this stuff needs to be um, pursued and, and enshrined in the in the um, you know in the medical um, establishments um, Hall of Fame honestly I, I hope you think about uh, puberty blockers as well well that's what we're talking about yeah. we're talking about you know in our own state. We have our own state institutions that have right. admitted to us that they have been given these medicines, um, these puberty blockers to kids um, as young as 11, as young as 11 years old. Yeah. And yeah. that's absolute insanity to most people. Um, we know I taught middle school. I taught sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I know that adolescence is a confusing time for kids. And, you know, they're so confused that they don't need to figure out at that time of confusion in their life that they're going to make life-altering decisions. I mean, they can't get a tattoo, they can't drink alcohol, they can't buy cigarettes, but yet we're going to take them to a clinic and, and the parents are afraid, you know, and they're listening to these, these you know, pundits and people and, and they're going in and making life-altering decisions and then we see so many of these people once they grow up and realize, look what I've done to myself. It's crazy. It's keep, absolute crazy. Keep fighting it, uh, Senator. I encourage you to do so. Just before we go, a couple seconds, could you get on board with a plan that you could get comfortable with to eliminate the income tax? Absolutely. Okay. Because Absolutely. the governor's making that a priority. Do you have a feel for how the lieutenant governor feels about that? I could not. I cannot speak for the lieutenant governor, but I think what we can look at is we can look at when people have more money, they typically spend it. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully the economy will get back on track to where people won't be paying five times what they did, you know, two years ago for goods and services. Good to see you. Appreciate you coming Thank on, you. Senator. Thank Senator you Angela me. Hill has been our guest here on Middays. We'll step aside for a break right here from Columbia, Mississippi at 1137. Representative Ken Morgan. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Rolling, hit it, go, play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in Columbia, Mississippi today for the annual Columbia Christmas Festival. A beautiful day, beautiful city right here, downtown Columbia. Let's see, Ben from Madison on the ceasefire text line says, I don't always agree with Senator Hill, but I do respect the fact that she will stand up and alone on something she believes in. I would agree. That's been uh, my take, my observation as well, uh, Ben. The ceasefire text line, of course, 601-879-4395. Let's see. What are you saying here, Jerry, in Waynesboro? Biden is being asked by his Department of Health to declare a medical emergency. I saw that over RSV cases. They know the purse strings will be held by Republicans, thus the flow of money will be stopped after January. So that's why the urgency for an emergency. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the case, honestly, Jerry. The um, at First, I think you're going to see 
elimination of the debt ceiling uh, before Democrats turn over control, seed control to the Republicans. That's going to happen. And uh, d- declaring a medical emergency does it probably confers too much power, honestly, I think, uh, to the President of the United States. But I-, I also do believe that this RSV situation is real. I don't think it's fabricated and, and made up, and, and that's just based on conversations uh, that I've had with physicians in, in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we had, um, I can't remember the, the individual, but we had a, a, a pediatrician on Rhino, you remember, a couple of months ago that uh, was discussing the uh, the challenges with the just uh, – outsized number of cases that they were dealing with uh, at, in the clinical environment and the hospitals as well uh, with this RSV that is just ravaging through the uh, the younger population. So, uh, yeah, I, but I've seen the same thing. It's the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's, it's not really his Department of Health, but it's the American Academy of Pediatrics which has urged the president to declare emergency, says, quote, unprecedented RSV surge. That is a pediatric respiratory illness, also known as respiratory uh, syncytial. Is that, did I say that right, Rhino? Syncytial. Sink, I can't say it. Virus. S-Y-N-C-Y-T-I-A-L. Perhaps I honestly that. have no idea. Me either. I think. Uh, oh wait, the here's the pronunciation: syncytial. That okay? That's right. I was close. Syncytial. That makes sense. The way it uh, is phonetically, just the way it is spelled, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, anyhow, that is uh, something that is certainly uh, to, something to keep an eye on for sure. Jeff says, I thought that Donald Trump's Twitter account was reinstated, but last night on Fox News, Tucker Carlson said that Trump Twitter account is still banned. Yeah, it has not been reinstated. Uh, Trump, any communications he is making in the social media world is via his his uh, Truth Social platform, which, by the way, needs money. The uh, Truth Social uh, folks, the, the business folks that run that company are looking for capital. It is it is struggling. It's just a hard business to uh, make money at, and it's one of those things where all the money tends to gravitate towards the, in terms of advertising, just because of the numbers. Because you, you need you need numbers to make the advertising value proposition work. And so you got Meta, Facebook, you got Twitter, the two biggest. Uh, to a smaller extent, I guess TikTok, Instagram, a couple of others, but you you need all of them. Um, you need all the I should say users you can get to make the economics work when you make that sort of investment. And True Social just frankly doesn't have enough users. Was Trump I think had like 80 million when he was on. Does that sound right, Rhino? When he was on Twitter, and like four and a half million on True Social or something to that effect. And, uh, you know, so if you got 80 million people following a figure like Trump, that means they're seeing all those ads because they're interested to see what he tweets every single day. And, and oh, by the way, something gets their interest, and, 
and uh, they click on it and they go buy something. I mean, that's the model. That's essentially how it works. Or because of the advertising, it's driving them maybe to purchase through other outlets and other stores, not necessarily online through the platform. But, it, it again, it's just a tough business model. So this is what uh, Thomas in Greenwood sent us. Musk is now running Twitter with less than 50 key employees down from 7,500 at its peak. That doesn't sound right, honestly. That's that's from a tweet he shared from somebody named Nick Huber. 7,500 key employees? Nah, don't think that's the case. Everything is normal. We may be profitable soon. I, I disagree. I don't think everything is normal. Their ad revenues are down, and they're going to need all the ad revenue they can get to make ends meet and to pay the bills. It's Again, it's always been uh, just marginally profitable at best. And I think they got uh, a ways to go to get that right. The age of the fluffy job is over, says Larry and Jackson. I wish that were the case, Larry, but that is, uh, that is not um, as the labor market still remains incredibly tight. So before we went to break earlier... I suggested that I wanted to share with uh, the audience a tweet. This is a person that I, I I track on Twitter just to see what she says. Her name is Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, Lee, L-I. And she, in fact, yesterday uh, is, is uh, tweeted about layoffs that are occurring in the technology industry. And so she lists the companies in the layoffs they have announced. Meta, Twitter, Intel, Snap, Netflix, Robinhood, Stripe, Lyft, Salesforce, Amazon, all of which have announced layoffs. layoffs. You add them all up, it's, it could be as much as 120000 And that is actually more than the dot-com bubble. Now, it, it's it's what's being projected at this point. It's not etched in stone but this is what lindy says right in time for the holidays they didn't call reaganomics voodoo economics for nothing it's a streaming pile of hot you know what not going to say it that the republicans continue to serve every single year so this whole idea of trickle down economics which is really not an economic a principle, an academic economic principle, but it basically just says that that uh, when folks at the top of the income scale have more income, they spend it and invest it in such a way that it benefits those below them on the income scale. It it, it trickles down all the way through the economy. And and what's fascinating, Rhino, is looking at all the the tweet comments to this tweet. Uh, here's one, for example, that says, this is 40 years of Republican trickle-down economics. It's wage theft and tax scams, and it's a photo, an overhead photo <laughs> of um, a port, uh, a dock, a uh, marina with a bunch of yachts. Well, okay, you fools. Who do you think built those yachts? Who do you think works at those marinas? Who do you think services them? That is trickle-down. You just made the point. Unbelievable. After years of declines, America's middle class now holds a smaller share of U.S. wealth than the top 1%. Okay, but how is the top 1% causing you to be poorer 
or preventing you from getting richer. Here's another one. 50 years of trickle-down has turned millionaires into billionaires and the working class into the working poor. It's complete hogwash. This is not true. Uh, all you got to do is look at, and I've credited Trump for this, during the Trump administration in his four years, the average household income is, re- is measured by the Bureau of Label, uh, pardon me, Labor Statistics, the official record for such data reported that it increased $6,100 from the time he went in office to the time he got out with negligible inflation. Everybody benefited. That's the point. This is another one. Hell, the oil companies are raking in record-busting profits and laying people off to make even more money. Those tax cuts really work, don't they? Okay, so they're laying people off to make more money. What? What's wrong with that? The pursuit of profit, optimizing, maximizing profit, that's what businesses do. It's in everybody's best interest when they do that. It's just unbelievable. We'll get to uh, some more of this later on in the program. But when we come back after the break right here on Middays, we've got Representative Ken Morgan. He represents District 100 and chairs the Forestry Committee. Stay with us. We're coming right back from Columbia, Mississippi. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Malakilikimaka is a thing to say. On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Rhino, right on cue there with the entertaining Christmas music. That, of course, remindful of being in Hawaii at Christmas, which I've never done. I've been there in the summer, but never at Christmas. I bet it's pretty cool, though. I appreciate that, Rhino. Joining us now in the Element Well Studios in Columbia, Mississippi, is Representative Ken Morgan. He represents District 100, which includes Lamar and Marion Counties. He serves as the chair of the Forestry Committee. Representative Morgan, thanks for coming on, sir. Thank you all for letting me come in today. I really appreciate being here. You bet. So this is uh, this is a great town, Columbia. It's kind of a hidden secret, I guess you could say. Yeah. A lot of people comes into Columbia and they travel around, and I've got some relations that doesn't live in Columbia and live out of state, and all a lot of time when they come down, say, "Man, you just ride down through there, and people's waving at you." And I said, "Them people don't know us." I said, "Yeah, but they they would like to know you." That's guys. right. Really, it's a friendly community, good atmosphere, and good place to live. No doubt. Getting ready for the big Christmas festival. The place all decorated up. The skating rinks set up as well it's just it's just amazing uh, my second time to be here to do the show and was just blown away last year to see the skating rink and now i think we have two uh, well, it's incredible we've got two of them but if you actually look at it the main one's about doubled in size it's unbelievable and you i've done forgot just that, the astronomical number of people turned out but one night 
particularly that they had to walk through and all for the manger scene and all that. I think it's estimated somewhere around 49,000. That's what they were saying earlier. That's the experienced Columbia folks informed us of that. That's just a tribute, I think, to what a great uh, experience it is to be here at Christmas and for the various Christmas events, the Christmas festival, which seems to go on for the entire month of December. It gets started in late November, I believe. It does, and a lot of people's compared it and said, uh, you know, so the only way to really look at it, it's, it's like a Hallmark Christmas show. That's a good way to put it. I like because that. Because it really comes out, and they do a lot of extra stuff through the process and all the forest, the lighting and the lighting of the courthouse and all up and down Main Street, and it plays an intricate part in the whole program that they've done. But if you hadn't ever been here, you need to come. I mean, you just can't see it on a video or somebody tell you about it. you got to experience it. And, it, and it's more of a traditionally-themed Christmas uh, festival as well. Right. It brings out Christ child and everything and Christian type Christmas. That's awesome. That's what we're talking about. We were just talking to Senator Hill earlier, uh, Representative Morgan, and you guys are going to be headed back to the Capitol here in less than two months, about a month and a half. What do you think uh, is on the radar? What are you anticipating and what are your priorities? In particular, what about the Forestry Committee? Well, in the Forestry Committee, what we'd really like to do is get timber prices up. Timber prices has been in a lull and basically up and down and not really took a stance really in probably the past 10 years. And it varies somewhat to the degree of timber that you got and what production is. But what a lot of people don't realize, we've got two paper mills within uh, probably a 40, 50 mile area of Columbia down at Monticello and one at Boogaloos. And both those mills takes 300 loads a day to stay in an operations point. Mm-hmm. And for every load of logs or timber that you see going down the highway right now, they need to be seven more behind it because that's how fast we're producing timber in the state of Mississippi. Wow. And what about the reforestation of that? I mean, there's there's pretty sophisticated programs involved in that, are there not? Well, that all depends, and a lot of times, you know, you've got, like, your major timber companies, they come in and do their reforestation yourself. But uh, the majority of land, forestry land in the state of Mississippi is privately owned. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people in timber prices, a lot of people are cutting their timber and clear-cutting and going back and going back into permanent pasture or something because due to the timber prices just being where, you know, it, a lot of people come out and they planted timber and all to be a uh, retirement benefit situation, and it's not really working out to the good point as far as a retirement. Okay. Interesting. Uh, any any other legislation you feel like uh, is needed in, well, in your committee? One of the major things that we're trying to work on is trying to get more meals in the state of Mississippi because that has a lot to do with timber prices. If you up north Mississippi, more especially, you've got timber growing up there that a lot of those meals are somewhere in the neighborhood anywhere from 100 to 125 miles to the mill. Mm-hmm. And you take a fella comes in and contracts your timber prices 
and goes out there and starts cutting timber and then he's got to go 125 miles to the mill it's going to take away from his money that he's trying to make off the timber sure it's going to create a problem sure um Ken, do you have a background in the industry? Is that how you got involved as the committee chair? No. If you <laughs> I, um, I just uh, kept up with forestry, and yeah. forestry is an intricate part here in Marion County. Sure. I ran a welding shop for okay. 25 years and got involved in politics, and uh, we did a lot of repair work and all through the timber industry and all as far as skidders and cutters and log trailers, log trucks, and that kind of stuff. So your variation of talking with people and getting the input of what's going on. But uh, I've been in the cattle business and run the farm and worked in law enforcement. Hmm. Interesting. Um, have you gotten to know a lot of the folks uh, that are in the timber business? Oh, yeah. So obviously, uh, since you've been chair? Absolutely. More, more so with yeah. some of your major companies and that kind of thing because they come up with some ideas a lot of times. And I've always had an open-door policy. I just told them, I said, you know, if y'all can think of anything that we could do to benefit the forest industry, timber industry, Regardless, I said, let's give me a draft of it of what you're kind of looking for, yeah. and let's go down to legislative services and see what we can do with it. We'll make a bill up and try to get it passed if it's beneficial to the state and landowners of the state of Mississippi. Sure. Uh, you running for re-election? Absolutely, yeah. Due to my health and whatnot, I'm in good shape. Yeah. I enjoy what I'm doing, and I really enjoyed doing things for the counties that I represent and all and trying to benefit things. We've had a lot of things that come through for Marion County and Lamar County. It's been beneficial to the general public. Building a new city hall down in Purvis, that's the area that I represent. Mm-hmm. And we got some of the tra- old training school property back last year that wound that up. It's been a long haul as far as getting that property back, but it's going to be real beneficial to us. If we can put it to use and make good use of it. Did your district change any in the redistricting? It did. Uh, I picked up one more box, which is over in the Lamar County area, okay. and I'll be gaining it this time. I got you. Um, have you been able to review the governor's announced priorities for the next legislative session? you taking a look at that yet? Just what I've seen on the news and then passing, and uh, he's kind of following suit with some of the issues that we yeah. have already approached to a degree. <clears throat> you know, we were trying to get the income tax and all right. revolved last year, and mm-hmm. it didn't really hold up, but uh, maybe they'll get together and get on the same page, and we can get that work and put money back in people's pocket, because they got it in their pocket, they're going to spend it. Absolutely. I uh, totally agree. He's, he's also focused on workforce development, a parental bill of rights, uh, introducing some patriotic curriculum uh curricula in our uh, public schools. You, you on board with that as well? Oh, absolutely. One thing with the parental rights and all you run into is a lot of times which Angela, I know, covered that real briefly a while ago and mm-hmm. she did a good job at it. But it's always you run into a problem where you got somebody trying to get custody of kids that's involved and then you find out the grandparents, whatever, it's going to wind up raising them and having them taken away from them to the degree they don't have the authority to claim 
parental rights on them, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's worked on that, and I've helped with her in the past, and I'm glad to see it trying to come to light and get this thing done because it's, it's just some issues that's really got to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, what about workforce development? Um, you know, I think that was a, a key uh, issue in landing this um, steel dynamics project that the governor just signed off on the uh, the incentive package there, but it, we, we're hearing that I'm sure you are too, Ken. That uh, every business out there says, "I need people. I need good people. I need people who can do the work." I'm a hundred percent behind workforce development. Mr. Donnie Bell on the House Representatives as chairman of that position. He's done an outstanding job. And the community colleges and all the junior colleges and all throughout the state of Mississippi have addressed that to a degree where they're putting a lot more emphasis sure on workforce development. And if you got the workforce, you can get the business. I think that's absolutely right. Representative Morgan, really appreciate you coming on, sir. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as you guys head down to the Capitol in the next session. Appreciate, appreciate y'all, and we'll be available. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Representative Ken Morgan, he represents the District 100, which includes Lamar and Marion Counties. We're in Marion County today. We're in Columbia, Mississippi for the Columbia Christmas Festival. We're stepping aside for a break right here when we return. It's John Cooper, the president of the Columbia location of Trustmark Bank. Stay with us. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from downtown Columbia, Mississippi. We're here because the annual Columbia Christmas Festival is about to get kicked off. Joining us now, John Cooper, the president of the Columbia location of Trustmark Bank. John, thanks for coming on. Oh, I'm glad to be here. So this festival uh, seems like it gets bigger and better every year. They do a fantastic job, and it it really is remarkable to think about 40,000 plus showing up in in, uh, a small town like Columbia, but they come because it's just a whole lot of fun. It is. It's a whole lot of fun. It's uh, a lot of excitement a lot of uh, a lot of activity going on uh, you know it's it's fun seeing people from from all over the the state and the southeast uh, coming and visiting it's uh it's a you know like it's, it's, it, you don't expect it in columbia but uh it sure is fun when it's here yeah so uh how long has trustmark been in columbia is this a bank you guys acquired some time uh, ago? Tr- this bank was the old uh Columbia Bank, okay, uh, and it was acquired years, years ago, back before Trustmark was Trustmark, back in First, First National. First National, sure. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, uh, our bank here has been located. Uh, I think it was originally chartered in 1899. Okay, uh, and but uh, our actual location in on down in downtown has been at that location. Will be next year. Will be our hundred year anniversary. Though. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I rode by it this morning. Uh, so, the Main Street, the downtown. Uh, it it really is fantastic yeah. for a town this size, and and what really I think it catches your eye uh, right off the bat, John, is that 
all the buildings are occupied. Everybody's occupied, and it's a, it's great to have a downtown area. And, and you're starting to see that in a lot of towns. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of towns you're starting to see a resurgence of the downtown, and you know you really got to appreciate it. And you appreciate the the businesses that we have out on the on the highway, and uh, because but a lot of those are you know not necessarily locally owned, uh, but uh, we're glad to have them. We're glad to have every market here in town. Yeah. Uh, but it's really good to see local businesses thriving again and uh and that just you know that that is what you know really what you know community banking is about is making sure that uh your local businesses and the and the money that you're putting into the community is staying in the community yeah yeah absolutely so we we got to talk about interest rates a little bit and just overall economic conditions Uh, the fed uh, seems very uh, committed to driving down inflation, and they're using the main tool they have, which is the Fed funds rate, and then they have announced that it looks like they're going to moderate a little bit in the next cycle. Maybe in December we'll get half a point instead it, of uh, three quarters. It is. That's 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 our expectation. Is, yeah. is a half a point now. Um, I, I was on a call earlier this, this morning, and you know one of the things that was brought up was this is the most activity that the Fed has ever had yeah. in a single year in history. In history, right? Uh, but also this this past month it there was a day in there when the when the uh, uh, when the consumer price index and and everything was announced and the inflation wasn't as high as we thought it was going to be we saw a little bit of the markets uh, respond to that in a in a way that was that was you know positive you know from an outlook standpoint so hopefully we'll see some moderation and you know you know Next year, we should definitely see a tailing off, and uh, and if it doesn't go down, at least plateaus. Plateau. Yeah, that's what that's what it looks like. And I think it was J.P. Morgan either late yesterday or this morning said, still predicting a recession, mm-hmm. uh, but a much milder one than maybe originally thought. And so the, the markets uh, seem to like that, and and the Fed governors they're they're still somewhat hawkish, right. but but uh, maybe if we can get a couple of positive. CPI trends, we we get that down. How, how's that affecting uh, your lending activity? Well, uh, right now we're we're okay. I mean, it's just everything's a lag. Yeah. So you know, it, it, we're kind of trying to figure out uh, the the activity we had this year. Was it a lag from the previous year of of maybe it's people who were wanting to wait and see, and now let's hurry up and do something before it rises anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll you know. Hopefully next year it'll, it'll it won't be as bad as we expected. Now, because this past year everybody was expecting it to be worse than it was, but uh, you know we'll see. I mean, it was a, it was like I said, it was a decent year. Uh, it wasn't as bad as we expected it to be, but again, like I said, it, it could very well be in just custom, you know those businesses out there doing something before it gets worse. Yeah, credit card debt up somewhat. It, uh, is. it, it is. seems like folks are starting to clean out their bank accounts and and maybe uh, take on more debt just to. Deal with the cost of living. Yeah, just the liquidity in the marketplace is less yeah. than it was two yeah. years ago. It was just so so yeah. liquid, and there was just so much money uh, that was sitting in banks yeah. uh, that uh, you know it was it was driving everything down from that standpoint. So, you know, we'll start seeing some changes from that end. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just a, we'll, you know we'll, we'll we kind of have to wait and see. But uh, there's definitely less liquidity in the marketplace. But a lot of that has got to do with the fact that COVID funds have now left the banks and have gone 
into the communities and are getting spent in different ways. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm glad you guys uh, are a big part of the community here, and it, it's, it's really good to have um, a full-service bank that's located mm-hmm. in a town like this. It's, it's critical to the success. Yep. Appreciate it, John. Right, thank you. Thank Appreciate you, man. it. John Cooper, president of the Columbia location of uh, Trustmark Bank, has been our guest here on Midday. We're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a break for the news right now. When we come back, it's Justin McKenzie, the mayor of Columbia. Stay with us. Get ready. Get ready to go beyond the headlines. And join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi, hour three of the program on this. Friday, y'all. We are in Columbia, Mississippi, downtown Columbia, to be exact, for the Columbia Christmas Festival. And now we welcome to the Element Well Studios, Justin McKenzie, the mayor of Columbia. Mr. Mayor, good to see you today, sir. It's good to see you again. So, all right, you got to tell us, what were you doing this morning? Oh, it's been a busy morning already. We we started out today with Catchy Friday with Marion County Development Partnership. Yeah. And that's just a, a collaboration of of all the different businesses. We all come together and, and meet and discuss, you know, what's going on and generally have a guest speaker. So we started out today with that. Um, this morning I was the guest speaker. And, okay. Along with Police Chief Michael Kelly. And uh, since then I've been in a dump truck. You know, small town. Dump truck doing what? Holland sludge. I mean, like we are trying to clean out our retention pond, and you know, you run into challenges when you have so many projects going on. You don't have enough manpower. You don't have enough money. So you just figure out how to get it done. And uh, well, did like somebody call you and say, "Hey, look, we got a dump truck that needs to go do some work, and we need a driver." No, I called and tried to find somebody to get in the dump truck to go do that. I, I work, got you. And you just run out of run out of people and run out of manpower. So, so you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. You know, we've got a couple positions open here in Columbia, and we're looking to hire but you know people just aren't beating down the door right now for a job yeah it's a tight market it tight is labor definitely market. definitely a tight market even in the public sector right yep yeah for sure interesting all right what about the christmas festival pretty big deal isn't it man we're excited about it right now um there's so much work happening downtown i know y'all have been all over and um and seen the different things going on but we're getting ready. This weekend's uh, opening of the skating rink, kind of a soft opening, and then we lead into the uh, lighting of downtown next weekend. And, you know, everybody's uh, got a busy week with Thanksgiving and all that going on, and then turn right around and have an event downtown. So, uh, but we're excited. You know, we know people will be looking for something to do. They've got a long weekend, and not everybody's set up to go out of town for Thanksgiving. So enjoy time with their family and, and time just celebrating and saying thanks to to our Lord for what we've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. And then follow that up with uh, a Saturday night downtown. Uh, for the lighting and I, I think it's going to be a great turnout we're expecting a, a lot of people uh, we're pre- we're really preparing for a lot of people and uh, 40,000 they said oh, we're thinking yeah definitely 35 uh, 40 maybe even more than that so uh, what's the population of Columbia 
Oh, right around 6,800, okay. yeah, 7,000 or less. So uh, you're talking about a massive uh, traffic five, jam. Five X, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, we're talking so you got all hands on deck it from is, the police department and so forth to help out with that? Police, fire, uh, our street crews, everybody will be out and about. Yeah. And uh, Experience Columbia itself, they, they do a phenomenal job handling everything in-house with their event. So what we'll do is uh, we'll just make sure that the public safety aspect is covered and that... Uh, you know, our streets are open, and, and we're able to move as, as freely as possible. Uh, we know that it's going to be an enjoyable event. We've held uh, held this event now for a couple of years, and it's grown each year, and we're expecting it, you know, of course, expecting it to grow this year. But, um, you know, our guys have really been able to step up to the plate and, and make it as easy as possible on everybody. So, well, obviously, with 40,000 in attendance and only 6,800, in the town, you got a lot of people that, that don't live here probably come from a fairly far piece, as they say. Well, what do they say, Mayor, when they come here? Maybe it's their first time to visit Columbia, and they, and they happen to experience it during the festival. You get those who've come in, and, and this is their first time here, and they're just kind of blown away with small-town Mississippi and, and small-town America being able to pull off something like this. Uh, the people who have lived here and moved away, when they come back to visit family and all, they're just, uh, again, blown away. Uh, some of them, you know, would, of course, say we're speechless. We don't know how to describe what we're seeing in, in Columbia. And, and we just we never expected to see things like this happen here. But uh, through um, a cooperative uh, effort mm-hmm. between the city, the county, Experience Columbia, and, and others, we've been able to really put this thing together. MCDP steps up to the plate, and, and we kind of use them as the example this morning. They're kind of the pin. They, the, every joint that's moving has a pin that holds it in place, <laughs> and everything pivots on, on MCDP. Sure. And, uh, you know, Christian and his crew with Experience Columbia, they just... They're second to none. They've stepped up, and and he's made an investment in our community. Uh, I'm so proud that the uh, previous mayor and and board worked out a deal to get he and his company here Mm -hmm. in Columbia with Looks Great Services. When they landed that and secured him here, you know, he's been... All in. I remember talking to him last year. Fascinating. Yeah, great guy. Incredible. To have uh, that in in a town like this is unbelievable. Yep. We've got uh, several, you know, independent manufacturers and businesses here that have done very well for themselves. Uh, But this guy, he's just all in, man. Yeah. uh, He... He's all about making it better. He wants to do things that uh, his family will enjoy and see others enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. And um, his investment has just been incredible in our community. Uh, so we're thankful for him and thankful for all he's done. Uh, our community got behind us with a tourism tax a couple years ago, knowing that some of that would be spent on this as well as the sports complex and uh, our parks and recreation stuff. And um you know, right now, we're using the money here. We're building a sports complex, which is, I would say, about 70, maybe 73, 74% completed now. Uh, we're expected to uh, do a, a ribbon cutting sometime toward the end of March, 1st of April. Mm-hmm. And that first weekend in April, we're looking to have our opening of the, the Little League season. And right now, I think those guys are coming up a little later, our our Athletic director mm-hmm. Josh Smith and maybe Parker Dungan from Dungan Engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, they're young, 
and and they're motivated. They're all in. And um, I think we're going to see a great, successful season with that sports complex. And, you know, it's finally we're getting to a point where people are seeing that tax. Nobody likes the term tax. I, I for one, am not a fan of increasing and pushing taxes on anyone. But to have something, you have to invest in it. And, uh, you know, to have the support of our community to pass that tourism tax and and get it implemented and then see people just, we've seen the sales overall in our community increase over the past few years because I think people are not hesitant to go out and spend money mm-hmm. locally mm-hmm. in a restaurant or whatever to uh, to see it reinvested. And now they're actually seeing those things come about like the sports complex. And uh, when we get through with the baseball, softball segment, we're, you know, our, our area, we're going to move on and, and start working on the uh, soccer and tennis area. Gotcha. So. The, uh, it, it appears, Mayor, that the, the private sector, the business community in Columbia, it is, is totally invested in the overall health and well-being of the community, and they want to make it better. And they understand that they benefit from that as well. That's right. Well, you know, uh, just about every bit of it, you, you can find profit is, you know, a, a financial margin is there to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But the quality of life is what it's all about. Sure. And, you know, since I've been in office, I've wanted to work on improving that quality of life in our community and investing and reinvesting in our community. And I want to see those things that we can invest in that will, in turn, reinvest. And that's exactly what the Christmas event is doing. That's what the sports complex will do. Uh, we're investing up front the attendance and participation in those uh places and in those activities will in turn reinvest in our community and um you know saying that about the the businesses every employer is looking for somewhere that they can find a good quality of life for their employees and um and that's the environment we want to build here for so long we'd seen you know the small towns across mississippi uh kind of drying up uh the downtown main street area basically going away in so many cities and, uh, and you're seeing that resurgence in that and have been over the last couple of years. I think we'll continue to see that. I think we'll see that um, people realize how important it is to invest in their own community. And as long as they're reinvesting, then they're investing in their employees. Yeah. So uh, About half a minute left or so. What's the financial condition of the city right now? The city's doing real well. And, uh, you know, we've been so... You've had two people in front of me that uh, Representative Ken Morgan and mm-hmm. Senator Angela Hill, mm-hmm. and you know we've been able to work with other senators and representatives, the governor as well, uh, on different projects and trying to get funding for said projects. Uh, we've got a lot going on right now. We've got a community development block grant that's in the works. We've got the uh, sports complex downtown, and uh, we've got a sewer project that would probably be the m- largest single investment at one time wow. in our community. And, so, and that's, uh, I assume, designed such that it can and carry you for a while and sustain growth. It's going to sustain growth and carry us for years to come. Awesome. Great update there, Mayor. Appreciate that. And congratulations on all the success here in Columbia and on the Christmas Festival. Great thank, event. Thank you all so much for being here. Appreciate it. Mayor Justin McKenzie has been our guest here on Middays. We're stepping aside for a break right here. The Element Well Studios relocated today to downtown Columbia. We're coming right back with Parker Dungan and Josh Smith, uh, Dungan Engineering, and the City of Columbia, Columbia Parks and Rec represented there. Stay with us. Coming right back. Hey. 
once again. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk, Mississippi. Once again, we are live from Columbia, Mississippi. We're downtown Columbia, as a matter of fact. We're here because it's time for the Columbia Annual Christmas Festival. Appreciate the mayor coming on and give us an update on what's going on here in the great town of Columbia. Um, so, AOC, you know who she is, of course. She she comes out with a tweet, and basically, it's just kind of crazy. But and I'm not sure exactly what she's talking about, but I think it is related to the midterms. And what she said was. This would not have happened had we taxed the rich. <laughs> so who could forget uh, her dress, right? You remember that, the white uh, gown that she wore? I think it was to, was it the New York Arts Museum? or I Yeah, I think it was the Met Gala. The Met Gala, okay. She says this was... Uh, Which yeah. is dripping with irony because it's full of rich people. You have <laughs> to be rich, rich to people. afford to go to it. Of course. If only, I'm quoting, if only we had taxed the rich, maybe none of this would have happened. I'm having a hard time connecting the dots. That suggests that more people would have come out and voted for Democrat candidates and avoided, prevented flipping of the House to Republican control if they could have taxed the rich. I'm not sure I get how that um, how that's related, but we got a clip here we'll play from uh, the famous Congresswoman from New York that maybe explains it a bit. Is that the same folks who tell who tell us and told us that COVID COVID's just a flu, that climate change isn't real? that January 6th was nothing but a tourist visit, are the same, are now trying to tell us that transgender people are not real. What exactly does that mean? I think what she's saying is that maybe there are those of us in America, in the population, that believe that fundamentally a person is immutably, indelibly, uh, the birth that, uh, pardon me, the gender that was uh, that they were born with. That you can, I guess, do all sorts of radical surgery and inject all sorts of drugs into a human body. I guess that is designed to transition a person's gender. Uh, and... I don't agree with that and, and can't, frankly, wrap my head around it. I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with their right to do that, talking about a, an adult, a consenting adult. I, I can't comprehend it, honestly. It's uh, 
I, it's a condition that's over my head. I, I, it's hard for me to understand what would compel a person to do that. But this deal about not being real, well, that's because I, I don't believe that just because someone went through this affirming procedures, these gender transitioning procedures, that that makes them a some category of person known as a transgender. So I guess that's the point she's trying to make. You you got any other analysis on that, Rhino? I just thought that was weird how she put those in the same statement. Or is she trying to say that if they had taxed the rich, they would have been able to tax Elon more and he wouldn't have been able to buy Twitter <laughs> and she wouldn't have lost her toy? Because that was... Wasn't it around the same time when everybody was tweeting out, oh, Twitter's dying, it's going to be dead, say your, say your goodbyes? Uh, you could be right. Maybe that is what she was referring to. It's Because both those events kind of happen at the same time. So, But, yeah, you absolutely could be right. So they, they, what does this mean? They can't survive unless they've got that platform to spew their nonsense? Especially her, right? Because you, you, it's the dopamine thing you talk about all the time. I don't know how many followers she has, but it's a bunch. And I think people are just, she's intriguing. She's entertaining. She's bombastic to some extent. She's radical. She's a disruptor. And, and by the way, they added to the ranks of the squad. I think either three or four new members that are now in the ranks of the squad. And this has been a, a, a pain in the side of, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who, of course, we discussed yesterday, is stepping down and not going to run for any leadership position uh, on the Democrat side in the House. I do wonder, to some extent, if it's because they were just a pain to deal with to try to whip them uh, into, into shape in the House and coalesce with the other Democrats in the House. You know, there was a time when you could look at the Democrat representation and say well there's the there's the far left which would be AOC and the like and the squad and then there's the more moderate left I'm not even sure that exists anymore if you look at who apparently is the heir apparent in leadership in the Democrat party in in the house it's Hakeem Jeffries he, uh, he's, he's running for the position of minority leader in the House for the next uh, class, the next congressional class, where the Democrats are in the minority. So, you know, as much as the, the Democrats like to really pounce all over this election denial stuff from, from Trump and many Trump supporters who believe that the 2020 election was rigged, no one was more outspoken, arguably, uh, after the the uh, 16 cycle, 16 election, than Hakeem Jeffries. I mean, he was quite clear with his communication uh, going back to the the 16 cycle, the 16 election where Donald Trump defeated Hillary Clinton. He said. And I'm, and I'm quoting here, the more we learn about 2016 election, the more illegitimate, in all caps, it becomes. America deserves to know whether we have a, in all caps, fake president in the Oval Office, hashtag Russian interference, which is the biggest hoax ever. 
and how much time and money was spent chasing that rabbit. Ridiculous. Uh, He goes on to say it was a big lie, more than any administration in the history of the Republic. Cheat 2016 election, Russian interference, steal one of the two Supreme Court seats. Wimble Republicans put country ahead of party. Hashtag cleanup corruption. I mean, so, and that was, by the way, in 2018, September 2018. So this is a moderate? Because that's what they're saying. They're billing this guy as, well, we're going to elect a moderate. In, uh, into this position of leadership on the House side. And then, of course, who could forget Hillary Clinton, um, who to this day still maintains that she was the legitimately elected president in 2016. But it was Russian interference that caused her defeat. Still going on. It's just crazy, uh, in my view. But that's who looks like is going to be assuming the role of minority leader in the House of Representatives. Incredible. Well, let's see here on the ceasefire text line. Oh, CC and Senatobia wanted to know: Is that not Christmas Vacation soundtrack? Are you talking about um, uh, the Hawaiian Christmas song that Rhino played earlier there? Yeah, Mele Kalikimaka by Ben Ben Crosby. What you said. <laughs> uh, that's right. I forgot. That was featured in the movie, wasn't it? In fact, oh, yeah. was it was it the like the opening song? May have been, huh? Uh, if memory serves, it was the uh, fantasy sequence when he's fantasizing about having a pool that he's already... With the ah, that's on. right. That's right. <laughs> Johnny, uh, CC and Santa Toby says, yeah, all of them. Thanks, CC. That's, uh, yeah, it's a good song. Johnny West Point says, I'll bet my life savings that if you were born a male, no matter how much surgery one is, one has the bone structure and the DNA will forever be male. Yeah, and the other parts of the anatomy as well, right, Johnny? Uh, the ones that had the surgery have been diagnosed with a, a mental illness. Well, to some degree, I think that's accurate, is it not? Rhino is generally considered gender dysphoria. And I think what bothers me is that there, the incidence of uh, this radical gender transitioning surgery is up considerably, especially among uh, young people in this country. And it just seems to me, and I know we've said this before, it sounds like we're beating a horse, that they're celebrating it, they're praising it, they're encouraging it, they're lauding it, they're holding it up as some some trophy, which is just insane at the end of the day. It is time for a break here on Middays. We are downtown Columbia today for the Columbia Christmas Festival. And when we come back... It's Parker Dungan from Duncan Engineering and Josh Smith, the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation. Stand by, folks. After the break, we're coming right back for that interview. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, 
Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi Live from downtown Columbia, Mississippi for the Columbia Christmas Festival. Joining us now, Parker Dungan with Dungan Engineering and Josh Smith, the city of Columbia Parks and Rec. Uh, Parker and Josh, thanks for coming on Middays. Thank you for having us. Appreciate All right, it. So uh, we learned from the mayor that you've got a new athletic complex uh, that's being constructed right now correct correct so are you guys uh, involved in that parker how, how yes so uh we work for the city and uh we're very grateful to work for the city so i want to make sure we we make that clear how grateful we are to be able to help them with this but um on ra johnson kind of in the middle of town uh we are building a, a really nice cool six field sports complex baseball softball complex mm-hmm. so it'll have six different fields kind of uh for different uses and there'll be a lot of cool amenities there that'll make it a, an awesome place for both the community and rec league which is a big part of this community but mm-hmm. also for uh for travel ball mm-hmm. and for out-of-towners so when's the launch date josh when are you gonna start playing uh, we're playing on april 1 for our uh, city league rec season and then we'll start with travel tournament starting up the next weekend booked up all through the summer so all right, so tell us about the configuration of the complex. You said six fields, I believe, Parker? Yes. Correct. Yes, so it's very unique. Uh, I don't think we've ever – we've only seen one like it, and it's in uh, in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But there's three fields on the west and three fields on the east, and uh, there's both three-field clusters. On the west side, there's a high school-sized field and then two fields that are kind of – they could play high school baseball on them, but they're more geared for their 300-foot fields, so either uh, slow-pitch softball or even junior high-type baseball fields. Uh, they'll be either – all turf or turf cutouts at the bases and then on the east side we have three little league fields which are about 225 they're all made for 12 u mm-hmm. and they're all turf infields um and so uh, in the middle we have a concession building we also have a, a mini turf field that'll be fun for the kids to play cup ball on we have a cool picnic area that'll be a good place for people to hang out uh and some some batting cages in that middle area along with some other really cool features that will make the park really unique we feel like one thing about our park that, that make is going to make it stand out number one it's going to be super nice but number two it's a uh, it's going to have a feel that I think not a lot of people have have ever experienced. It'll be a ballpark, but also be a really cool place for people to hang out, congregate, could host other events. And so um, <clears throat> we're very excited about it. What about uh, the present facilities, Josh? I assume this is a step up from that. This is. There's been two leagues, two local rec leagues in Columbia for as long as me and Parker both have been around, probably longer than that. Uh, so the thought on bringing this complex not only was to benefit the community, but bringing the two local leagues together. So that's a big part of it, bringing those together, playing under one, playing as the city of Columbia. Mm-hmm. So that's that's big, and that's the, that's the plan. So. And then you've got uh, a, a tournament schedule as well after the rec league, right? Correct, yes. We'll start uh, rec league opening day will be April 1, and starting Saturdays, some Sundays after that, some two days, we'll have – Travel softball, travel baseball, that's the plan. Are you expecting that uh, teams would travel in, uh, that uh, it would not be a day trip, that they would be staying in hotels in the area? Correct, yes. From my experience with my two daughters playing travel ball, you've got teams from up to three, four hours away at times. So, yes, it would be beneficial to the local hotels, local restaurants, getting those people coming in the night before, staying the night of. Two-day tournaments, obviously the majority of the teams are going to stay, spend the night. 
support the economy. So. It's amazing uh, what a big industry it is and, and just how much of a catalyst that these sports facilities like that can be uh, to the economy and to economic growth because more, more than likely you'll see an increase in the number of hotel rooms and restaurants and, and uh, shops and so forth that all benefit for this, uh, from this influx of people that come for these tournaments. Absolutely. And we, Miss Lori is awesome, and she has a software where she's able to run some really, really accurate data on visits and mm-hmm. on uh, economic development type uh, data. And based off what we've seen, this is going to generate, this park is going to generate about 250,000 individual visits based off the data that we have. And so when you think about what that does, that's a hodgepodge of locals, also out-of-towners, and that's just a huge boost to our community, to our economy economy uh, to all the local restaurants hotels and so we're really excited about that aspect of it being right in the middle of of town and it just builds on all the great things that are already happening here i know that you've talked with, with some of those other folks this morning doing some awesome things here but there's there's just some really great things happening and we hope that this just continues to push that more and more forward you know, having been involved in these projects in, in the past, uh, have coached thousands of uh, youth league baseball games, traveled all over the region. Uh, it's a big effort to make this happen, but the, the key element is land. Where did you get the land? How'd that come about? Because that, that's usually the deal uh, breaker or maker. It is. And, and we had a very unique situation. Originally, there were two areas that were being considered. And the area that was, was ch- one was a little further out of town. This area was in the dead center of town. And, you know, there were a lot of concerns from the get-go, such as size and, and wetland issues. Yeah. But after further investigation, it turned out that, that we could we could work around those issues. There was actually plenty of land for parking along with fields. And so this turned out to be the perfect spot for what we what the city uh, envisioned for the sports complex. And, and we were just... It's been so much fun to help make that happen. Was this owned by the city? Or had to be acquired. Yeah, so it, it was. It most of it, some of it was. Uh, the Columbia School District was originally yeah. uh, had some of it, and so they were able to acquire that from them and work with them uh, uh, in that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so it, it just was an area they already had, but weren't sure if it was going to be appropriate for the use. But it turned out it's been great. Sounds like perfect fit, uh, Josh. What about the future? Usually, when you build facilities like this, there's some. Uh, uh, future planning uh, thought about as well, cons- considered as well. What about that? Correct. Yeah, uh, phase two would be the soccer complex or soccer fields and tennis courts, along with the pickleball courts. I know pickleball is yeah huge in popularity nowadays. So yeah, that'd be phase two. Don't have a start date on that. Obviously, got to get finished with phase one and mm-hmm. get it going. But yeah. that is the definite plan is to move forward with that. Obviously, you know they're cleaning out the pond, the retention pond. I think. Mayor McKenzie spoke on that earlier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, possibly even some fishing tournaments and possibly putting in a cross-country trail. So just anything and everything we can do to get kids active and people out. We also, about, the, we, go ahead. We've got to bounce it off of yeah. that. We also have a really cool project. It's a, it's a tag grant through uh, MDOT mm-hmm. for a couple of pedestrian bridges and some sidewalk that connects all this together, connects the high school stadium, connects the what the side that will be the soccer and tennis complex to the baseball side. So it's, it's there's a lot of cool okay. things happening. Well, uh, what kind of reaction, uh, what's the buzz are you hearing from the families and, and the players as well? they got to be excited about Everybody's this. Everybody's excited. Uh, Day doesn't go by without somebody saying, "Hey, what's the progress? 
take people out there, show them around. Everybody's ready for ready to see it finished and be able to play on it. You're going to have a big grand opening, a big christening ceremony? That's the, that's the plan. Probably going to do something on Friday night as far as the ribbon cutting and the opening ceremony type deal. Yeah. So that's the plan. Well, that'll be fun. I assume all, all the fields are lighted as well? Correct. Yes, they've all got state-of-the-art uh, muscular lighting, correct, Parker? That's correct. So. Yep. And what did the you tell me, best. Parker, about the, about the, uh, the surface itself? What's the design there? The, or, the, on the fields themselves, the, the service you've got um, the astro play type stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, so four of the fields will be all turf infields. Yeah. The other two, the three hundred foot fields that are on the west side, the north, north and south field on the west side, they'll have base cutouts that are turf. Yeah. So there's no dirt to manage. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll, the rest will be grass. So they'll still be really nice. It's just a different feel for yeah. for, for a playing surface. But yeah. it's all side, obviously all side on perfect grade. So uh, I think a lot of people all drained can, and so forth. Oh yeah. And there's there's a lot of drainage out yeah. there. We shouldn't have drainage issues knock on wood but, yeah uh, which is critical because uh it, you know some situations where you got that clay underneath get a little bit of rain and it pretty much shuts it down that's it right it just takes so long for it to drain through and percolate but that's right sounds like you've planned for all that well we think so yeah <laughs> we, we sure hope so we've done everything we can i can tell you this i i grew up in columbia I played rec ball at Dean Griner. My brother played rec ball at Dean Griner. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lo- both love baseball. My whole family loves baseball. And this project uh, has been – my dad, obviously, is my boss. But uh, it's been one of – I think it's been one of the more important, most focused on projects uh, between uh, – in our firm that I think I've ever seen. We care a whole lot about this and what it stands for and bringing the leagues together and unifying everybody. So got to be fun to be part of that. I mean, because this will be a legacy for a long time. That your that your firm will be associated with this will provide uh, untold hours of enjoyment to uh, the families uh, in Columbia and, and and it's it is a great way I think uh, for families to stay active is to be involved in competitive sports like this and it's even more fun when you got a great facility absolutely. Sounds like you guys uh, got it going on. I, I look forward to uh, our next visit down here. Sounds like you'll have it all up and running. April, right? What's Correct. the date again? April 1. April is, 1. Uh, rec League opening day. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Well, congratulations, and thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank yep. You. Well, folks, it's time for a break right here on Middays. We've got uh, Michael Day, the superintendent of Marion County School District, joining us next. We're in the Element Well Studios. We're in Columbia, Mississippi, downtown Columbia, for the Columbia Christmas Festival. Coming right back. Listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, you chipmunks, ready to sing your song? I'll sing it, Dad. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Okay, Alvin. 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 Okay. Foreshadowing. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live in the Element Well Studios. We are in Columbia, Mississippi, downtown Columbia, for the Columbia Christmas Festival. And joining us now, Michael Day, superintendent of the Marion County School District. Superintendent, thanks for coming on, sir. 
Thank you for having me. All right, so big announcement. I was curious riding in uh, this morning from uh, central Mississippi out on the highway where the Marion County School District headquarters is located. Noticed a big crowd in the parking lot. A commotion going on. Tell us about that. Well, we had a little excitement this morning to announce. We went live with a, a statewide press conference this morning. Um, it's it's just a great day to be in Marion County and be a student in the Marion County School District because part of that announcement was that we received a very generous gift um, from Mackenzie Scott and the Mackenzie Scott Foundation called Lost Horse Foundation and for the amount of $3,500,000. And my board, uh, school board or board of trustees, decided to, uh, in conjunction with the foundation, we, we, we partnered with um, Pine Belt Foundation out of Hattiesburg uh, to create a trust. And those funds now will be used, and actually just the interest from those funds will be used to pay tuition for upwards of 50 students from now on. Well, wow. so we created a permanent system with Pearl River Community College, which is our feeder system. Mm-hmm. And... We partnered with them, and they gave us really, I call it bargain shopping. We we sat down with uh, Dr. Adam Bearwood in the Pearl River community and said, you know, we'd like to do this. What's it going to cost us? And when we looked at the cost, it looks like we should be able to do at least 50, hopefully a little more every year uh, from now on. So if the kids qualify to get in Pearl River, we got them covered. Wow, that is awesome. So Mackenzie Scott is one of the wealthiest women uh, on the planet, uh, formerly married to Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and she is really focused on uh, making large donations uh, to school districts and just educational institutions across the country. This this is like her her, her chosen philanthropy. I think she's really becoming a trailblazer for other uh, people in her her situation mm-hmm. who have the ability to reach out and help charities and foundations and organizations around the world. Um, you know. Uh, just yesterday, I was doing an interview with NPR and with CNN, and they were focusing on, you know, what does it mean for a public school system or a public school district to be able to get this kind of one-time gift, you know, unrestricted donation? Mm-hmm. And I said, most districts across the country, whether it's suburbia, whether it's inner city, whether it's rural Mississippi, we're all struggling just to make ends meet and provide, you know, quality education for our children. None of us have a big bankroll sitting in an account anywhere. With that being said, this kind of donation, because it's unrestricted, and we're able to create that foundational trust, we can then in turn use that fund for scholarships or we can use it to give us that little bit of boost we need to create the programming and opportunities for our children. Mm Because at the end of the day, it is all about what can we do to help our kids be successful in life. Beyond just high school, we want to give them a great experience while they're in school with us, whether it's they are interested in the arts, athletics, and academics, whatever path they choose to take. They now can move on to that next level. And, you know, for example, Pearl River has over 72 different, you know, academic, uh, career and technical, and um, health and nursing programs that they can choose from. Mm -hmm. So if they want to go be a truck driver, get their CDLs, we got them. If they don't want to do the full two-year academic and they want to do, say, the three-year nursing program, we'll pay for that. If they want to take advantage of the new campus at Hancock County that Pearl River's, you know, finishing up now, you know, it's an aviation and aerospace Mm -hmm. uh, program, they can go learn how to be a pilot and pilot, you know, airlines. It's whatever the kids want to do. We want to be able to provide that opportunity. And this is really between, you know, Pearl River Community College and Dr. Adam Burwood and his team and then the Pine Belt Foundation uh, and, of course, definitely Mackenzie Scott's donation. It's changing the way education gives opportunities for children. 
the days of having a child just graduate high school, those have to be long and gone. The way we used to it was good enough for me when I graduated high school. That kind of mentality has got to go. The world's changing. It's more competitive. We've got to put children in, an, in a situation where they can not just be competitive to get those opportunities, but be successful after they get those opportunities. Yeah. And I, I just love what she's doing. You know, we actually made CNN national news on Monday, and I was scared to death that people in Marion County would see the <laughs> CNN post before we went live with our Still your thunder. That's, well, we were trying to keep it secret. The kids did not know until today. Okay. And the cool thing is we had this morning 74 kids from East and West at Pearl River yep. touring to go to college there. Had no clue what was happening. How about that? So when they arrived and got off the bus, the Pearl River folks were working with me. They pulled them all into a room, and they said, we're going to watch TV for a minute. And they were like, what? What's going on? Because we have video and pictures, and the kids were like, wait a minute. That's our superintendent. That's so-and-so. So then we did the press conference. And, of course, you can see them jumping up and down because now they know we can pay for what they were looking for today. It's so awesome. Congratulations. In about 15 seconds, tell me why Marion County. How did that come about? We'll do it. Tell, tell me right now. Oh, right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it really goes into a situation where they reached out to us. You don't reach out to them. Yeah. And they were looking at finding, uh, making connections with institutions and organizations that are making a difference in their communities and for their children. And they like did their homework. They knew everything about us. And we went through about four That's interviews. Awesome. And at the end of those interview process, we were then put in contact with Mackenzie Scott's attorneys and said you know we're going to give you this amount of money we got to go but congratulations thank you so Great much job. good being yes, here sir. today well, we're out of here today folks we appreciate you tuning in we're in columbia mississippi for the columbia christmas festival back in the studios on monday stay safe a super talk mississippi media production